Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. God, we praise you today. We thank you most of all for your holy word. I thank you for what it is, for it is the nourishment, it is the lifeblood of us. So I ask you to anoint us, anoint our hearts, our minds. We need you, God. We need thy holy anointing. We need you to touch us, God. Guard our hearts, our minds. I want to put everything out of it, Lord God, and just I pray right now, just act like a sponge and just absorb it, God, I pray. Touch us, strengthen us, Lord God. Have your way this day, God, I pray in the holy name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. He is the man of God. And I'm thinking, where is he at? He said he would be here on a certain day. That day has came and went, and he's not here. But Saul does... The unthinkable. Then you did not cross the line from king to priest. And Saul said, well, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll offer the sacrifice myself. And that would get you killed. So he took and offered the sacrifice himself. He did not obey. And then the Bible says literally as he's finishing offering the sacrifice, what happens? Life. Who does he see coming up there? The prophet. So this is the second occasion where he, where God commissions through the mouth of Samuel to go destroy the enemy. And I'm telling you, who is the worst one that you should bring back? Samuel told the king, go destroy the enemy. I remember what they did to my people. It has been years ago. And, and, and I don't know what the children of Israel must have felt like. You know, that was a long time ago. God's already forgot about us. That was part of my relatives that got attacked. That Amalek come up and attack my people. But God said, I remember. You may have forgot it, but I hadn't forgot it. You go destroy that enemy. I'm going to blot them out forever. So, and then, of all people to bring back, You bring back the king? So he does. He brings back the king. And this is what leads up to the story. And he takes a spool, and he's got all the sheep and the oxen. He's got this this good uh, thought he's going to take and offer all of this to the Lord in sacrifice. In 22, 15, 22, Samuel says, Hath a... Hath the Lord as great delight in birth offering and sacrifices as in obeying the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. And what that means is, Saul, you were commissioned to destroy this enemy. Number one, you did not do it. 
God gave you a command. You did not obey the law. And you think now, and that's why it says to hearken than the fat of rams. You think you have brought back the best that the enemy had to offer? And you think God is going to accept your sacrifice? You have made a wrong. So don't come in here thinking that you have made a wrong and God's going to let you sacrifice and it be okay. That's why he told him to obey is better than sacrifice. We need both. But Samuel was explaining to him, you don't realize what you've done. God gave you a direct commandment and you think you can get by with it because you're going to offer sacrifice. I'll put it in our language. I go out and I do something I should have known not to do. I don't repent. My conscience has bothered me. The pastor is saying, we need to worship. We need to worship. I come in, I worship, I go through the motions. God is saying, you might be worshiping, but your sacrifice ain't offering nothing. You have not repented. You did wrong. Your sacrifice will not be accepted. So it's not how good I try to be. Or how, might, or how much sacrifice I try to give to God. I might roll on the floor. I might walk the pews. I might do all of this. But Samuel is saying, I don't care how many sheep I hear and rams blattering out there, you have done wrong. To obey is better than sacrifice because your sacrifice is getting you nowhere. So he's telling them, and that's why Joshua told them, You've got to obey the law because that's where your sacrifice is going to be measured. Not how much you sacrifice. That's not going to be the amount of your measure. That's why when we studied love, God said this is going to be, this is going to be the determining factor how much you love one another. Not the factor that you come in and say, boy, I tell you, old brother Kenneth, he worships the Lord. He knows the Bible. He does this. He does that. God said, none of that is going to be the deciding factor. How much I love you is going to be the deciding factor, God said. That's God's word. That ain't my word. So he's telling them, all right, you've brought all this sheep back, and you think that's going to make it all right with God. Well, it is not. Samuel told him, this is the second time you've done wrong. You just act like it's okay. You step in a priest role, you come here, you bring the king of all people back, and you act like it's okay. No, no. God said, I want obedience to the law. When we give our obedience to the law, then when we come in God's house, our sacrifice that we give is freely offered unto God. That's what the Bible says is a sweet-smelling savor. When you offer God praise, God said, that is what I want. That is my child that I look toward uh, when, I come, when he comes in my house. That is what I'll do. Now, if the law is not obeyed, all I'm trying to say, if the law is not obeyed, no amount of sacrifice is going to correct it. And that's what Joshua was telling them. Now, if you want to, I'm going to go to Timothy, 1 Timothy, excuse me, 2 Timothy 3.16. Now, but I'm going to start at 14. 2 Timothy 14. This is Paul writing to his young pastor. 
I think Timothy and Titus, if I'm not mistaken, was the pastors that Paul mentored. And this is Paul giving his young pastors, Timothy here, some insight. And this is what he's telling them. He said, continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and been assured of knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And he said, that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. And this is one that we always quote. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. And Paul had a reason for saying all scripture. Not just what you have heard anointed of me. Go all the way back to Genesis. All scripture is given. All scripture. And it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And here he sums it up perfectly. That the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So he's telling him. Now here's Timothy. He's like 750 miles uh, where he lived from Jerusalem, and he says, we, this is, we can look at this as the church. It's profitable for doctrine. What is doctrine? Doctrine is what this Bible teaches. It's not what some guy gets up here and teaches or what some woman gets up here and teaches. It's what this Bible teaches that will save our soul. And you will be tried. You will be tested. And there is so much going on now of theirs. You read about it just in any church you want to go to just about it. I know that's broad, that's broad. But a lot of churches you go to now where the pastors is changing a verse here or a verse there to let up on the impact of the authority of this Bible. Just change it a little bit. Congregation bucks a little bit and the pastor caves in. Not realizing they're wrong, and the Lord's going to sure enough hold him wrong for preaching a false message to the church and giving them a false assurance. And, and Paul said it's profitable for doctrine, the teaching. We have to have this. It is God's word. It's for reproof. Now, I love that. You want something. We need something that we can put our hands on that is stable. That we can use for proof. The Bible says if you want to prove something, you got something in your hand that can prove it. God said, I'll back it up. And I thank Brother Everett for mentioning the lady uh, Wednesday night. We don't see that and hear that enough. We almost listen at that like it's a third world country deal. And I'm sorry to say that. We are just so much occupied and busy in our life that when we hear that, we think, man, it convicts me. It's just what we hear. People getting up and walking out of wheelchairs like, God, where's it at in our life? Thank you for mentioning that. And we, we just hear that like that's for somebody else. No, it's not. It's for God's people that believes his word that does not give in and give up and believe that's for somebody else. This is his anointed word that will not change. And God said, you want proof? All you got to do is believe me. Believe me. Do you believe you can get up and get out of this chair? Grab my hand. That pastor said, all you got to do is get up. And she got up. 
Now, for corrections, for all the crybabies, if you believe I'm being sarcastic, I am. For all the crybabies says, all this book does is talk about how hard you got to live it. Correction is mentioned one time in the Bible, and this is where it's at. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. All Scripture, and it's profitable. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, and for correction. We need the whole doctrine of God, the whole counsel of God preached to us because it is the authority. All we live is this little time frame, and we treat it like it's eternity, but it's not. It is a little time frame. We treat it like it's eternity. Well, it don't matter what I do or what I'm in or what I believe. If God could flip that around for a second and let us get a glimpse of eternity, me, I would view this a whole lot different than what I do. Now, instruction, that's the last thing Paul told him, instruction in righteousness. What that is, is what we're doing right back there. That is instructing your children to believe, to believe. I don't think I said this last time when I spoke on love. There is, okay, I'm not endorsing them. I'll just give you the name. And I'm not kidding about this. I study in Genesis so much. But it's called Answers in Genesis. It's a program, if you've ever heard of it. Now, their number one question now, 2020, right now, it used to be so much about the ark, animals, creation, but their number one question today from churches, church people, is where can I find a church that will teach biblical doctrine? Where can I go to find a church that will teach me that God created that I don't have to teach this or be taught this evolution mess. That it's, oh, God created man, but he is slowly evolving along. No, the Bible said he made them male and female, and what he made was good. Where can I find a church that will teach this to me? That is their number one question. And this is why we take our children and we teach them that they must learn, learn from a child. Teach them. That is instruction in righteousness. That's what Paul said you had to do. And this is it. That the man of God may be perfect. Perfect here is complete. Complete. That is why if all I did through my life is work my right arm, I would look deformed. I've got to be complete in this. I can't be right wing and just go out on some limb and just get so high and mighty out there. I want to be complete. I want to be, I want to get it all, the whole, the whole part, the whole scripture. And what's fat, just, just fascinating to me is you start in Genesis and go through and it tells us, Isaiah's the one that told us. There are, He's going to be a lamb. He's going to come as a lamb. And then you go on and, and Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John tells us about this Jesus. We learn to love him. The epistles, they tell us how to live, how to act responsible. And then we know, we think we know God. 
And then what just really astonishes me, the very, you go to the last book in the Bible, and then you think, what am I missing? Because the very first verse says, the revelation of Jesus Christ. And I'm thinking, what have I been reading? And God is just, if he had a sense of humor, he said, so you think you know me. But God is fixing to take this process we call time. And before time is wrapped up, there's a few things you need to know. And you hadn't learned it yet. So I'm going to give you a little unveiling of who I am. You think you have known me up to this point. But the last of this, I'm going to unveil a little bit more before we go into eternity. And just like he told his disciples in uh, in the last in the garden. I have told you so you would know. So that's just mercy in the making to me. It is not like, you know, Christians, never should a Christian be sitting there scratching. I don't know what's going on. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. God said, I'm telling you, I've unveiled myself. This is mercy. Mercy. Literally, the first verse, this is scripture. This is the authority of this scripture. And so many people are like, oh, my Lord, you still believe that? I've never stopped. Never stopped believing it. It is not like the Dow Jones. Well, you know, I lost so much this week. You know, well, let me see where it's at. Do I believe it today or, you know, according to what kind of mood I'm in? Man, I battle that, but I'm telling you, it is the truth. That's why I'm saying it's for reproof. I don't care where I'm at, what the world has done to me, what life has done to me. This has not changed. This is still God's authoritative word, and it ain't going nowhere. It is the truth. And God said he would take it, and he would never leave us, and he would give us. We just get that and hold it and embed it in us. And because that is what we got to have, that is what we got to have. And then Paul told, one last thing, Paul told Timothy. When he closed out his first book, he said, Listen, Timothy, you are a pastor. You have got to keep that which has been committed unto you. Basically, you have got to guard the trust. You have been, so much has been committed to you. Paul is telling Timothy, so much has been committed to you. You've got to guard that trust. You have a responsibility. And I believe what we know as, as just Christians, it, it has been said ever since I've been here, this church loves the Bible. And, and I'm so thankful for that because I'm telling you, ain't nothing else going to keep us. There's nothing else is going to keep us. Because I'm, I'm, not, I'm not going to base my life on nothing else. I mean, no matter what I'm told, and I don't mean that against no, no ministers or, or nothing. I, I'm talking about outside forces. I'm not listening to them. I'm listening to God's men, God's women. I'm listening to his word because... This word and his spirit ain't going to never lead us wrong. It's going to keep us. It's going to keep us safe. It's instructions. 
that is our safety net. Because I'm telling you, it, it, it is just, it is so, it is so good to just, whenever you read, whenever you read, just to take the Bible and just to, to read it. I mean, and just, it starts out with Moses in the lesson. I've took a few minutes to get there, but I want to read to you. Here is Moses at the end of, almost at the end of Deuteronomy. He's just, it's a, it's like the words of Moses that starts out. This is his farewell address to the children of Israel. It's in chapter 30 and at verse 11, I'm going to read 11 through 14. But I want you to listen. There's one verse that we always pull out of this. But I want you to listen the way he puts it. For this commandment which I command thee this day is not hidden from thee, neither is it afar off. It is not in heaven that thou shouldest say, Who shall go up for us to heaven and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it? Neither is it beyond the sea that thou shouldest say, who shall go over the sea for us and bring it unto us that we may hear it and do it? And this is what we always quote. But the word is very nigh unto thee in thy mouth and in thy heart that thou mayest do it. Oh, man, Moses is telling them, don't dream about this. It is closer than you think. This is not hard. This is not hard, but he's basically telling them, this can only be a head knowledge. This has to be a heart knowledge. You cannot just, just put, place this to memory and just, well, you know, I've got it memorized. No, that's why this is a 24-7 relationship because at the time when the world has walked away from you, I promise you, this has not. That's why he said, this word is nigh you, even in thy mouth. To me, that which God has committed unto us, when he said it's nigh thee, even in thy mouth, at the time when you need it the most, God will bring it to your remembrance, and you can speak it right back out of your mouth. I believe that with everything that's in me. God will just, I'm telling you, and I've said this before, so just pardon me for saying it again. When we lived here inside the church, I would come over here, I would be unsettled, and that's very easy to do to me. I've come over here at 3 o'clock in the morning, literally, not cut a light on in here, and just pray. And just walk in the dark and pray. And for long, I'd find myself speaking things. And it's only that which you've committed to yourself that God can bring back. And it's things that you just, where did that come from? God has a way of bringing it to you. God has a way of bringing it to you. And it's just when you take and you do this, and Moses said, it's not hard. It's not hard. It's when we get so full of life 
and the noise gets so loud and we can't turn it down and you just come in and, and, and it's like them people that has the ringing in their ears all the time and everything gets quiet and I still hear it. I still hear the ringing. It's bothering me, but it's still there. And it's like the noise of life. And it's just, God, I need to turn it down. I need to let this word be ingested in me. Just pray, God, just tone this noise down. And let this word be absorbed in me. And he will. He will. So he takes and he does this. At this point in Moses' life, he is passing. He knows it. He's going. He speaks a few more words. He goes up to Mount Pisgah. God gives him the privilege through mercy. He looks over. He sees that land that through all of these years, he's brought these people to. But then... He lays down and he dies. So we see that Moses, that's what he has done. And then it is over. But he had taught the people of God. He taught them, he taught them well. He did. Now, when we was looking at the screen this morning, it spoke of the will of God. And sometimes, and a lot of times I would say, People has just pondered, pondered the will of God. The will of God, we wonder, we want God to just put that literally like a video on a screen and say, this is the will of God for your life. This is the will of God for your life. This is the screen. This is the will of God for your life. Obey this and do it. I am not trying to be obnoxious. I'm not trying to be mean. This is the will of God for my life. Read, obey, sacrifice. This is the will of God. God has gave us his word. This is the will of God. And he said, but what about this job? And what about doing that God or, or that job? You know, God has a way of speaking to us. I'm not making light of nothing else like that. I'm not making light of that at all. We all get in situations where we, you know, Lord, I really need to hear you in this. I'm telling you, that's why you withdraw. If you need counsel, you get it. But you withdraw. You get along with God. And you think, and, I, and I'm not saying get along with God and take your cell phone with you. I'm saying you get along with God. Cut the thing off and get along with God. Spend some time, spend some time with him because this is the proof. This is the proof. And I'm saying, it's, it's not like, where was you at, God? And if, oh, if God could talk, he'd tell me, I didn't never leave. I didn't never leave. Kenneth, you got impatient and left, but I never left. You left disappointed, and I was disappointed probably that you left. But I was there the whole time. I just could not block everything out. And sometimes we got to get to the point that we can because this instruction is the most valuable instruction that we ever get on planet Earth. It is. Now, we have this. He's telling It has a story, but I don't, I don't think I'm on. 
I don't want to tell it. The will of God is the word of God. We know that to be true. Moses and Paul spoke both that the will of God is expressed in God's word. He said the word of God is near and it's knowable. And I believe that. I believe that. And we don't need a cruise ship. We don't need to go ascend a mountain. We don't need to get on top of the mountain and cross our legs. I'm not making fun. All I'm saying is all we need is time spent with God. Literally. It's, it's, it's this book written in black on white paper. And you can take and read it. And it's just so many, you know, I've told you so many times, I, I try to relate everything to the Bible. And, and some things over time I've related to this congregation. But I don't know how different it is with you, but I'm telling you, I do with me. Every time something bugs me, there's something in here that's going to point me to it. I look for it. I look for it. I listen for it. And that's what, um, I, when I come to church, I listen. I'm telling you. It don't matter if nobody, this is a spiritual, that's why I said I come up here and pray with nobody here. This is a spiritual place. Am I, am, am I spooky, so to speak? This is a spiritual place. This is God's house. So when I come in here, you know, God can meet us anywhere. But it's something about the frame of mind. When we come into this house, you just let your guard down, so to speak. And you just, God... Let my ears be inclined to hear. Let me just soak everything that I can. Because, and then it's like, if, if I can just tune it out, then I'm going to go home with something. It's not like, God, what was you speaking today? And God said, I never hushed. I spoke to you the whole time, but I wasn't able to hear it. Now, we know that this happens. We know that this happens. Now, Moses and the prophets all was inspired by the Holy Ghost. The writer of Hebrews quoted from the scripture. He attributed the scripture to the voice of the Holy Ghost. He invariably refers to the writers of that which the Holy Ghost speaks or says is in present tense. Even though it was written long ago, it is written in a way where it was written in present tense. Other words, as with God, it is, that's why it's, it's sort of at times hard for me to understand. But there's no beginning, middle, or past, or when God speaks, it's just always present. You know, it's not like, it's not like, well, the only thing I know how to put it is with us, everything has a beginning and everything has an end. That's the only way I know how to put things. With God, there is no beginning and there is no end. So it's, it's hard sometimes with me, as much as I love the concept of time, 
of thinking of a God that has no beginning or no end, that is always present, and then just knows me before I was even born. And just you just think, how can that be? How can that be? Know me before I was even born. You know, well, to me, that's, that's incredible. That's incredible. Now, God will again, God's will for you is primarily knowledgeable through a prayerful reading and retention of Scripture. And I believe that to be true. When we take this word and read it, like I, I've, I've said so many times before, not like a novel, but read it literally, literally like your life depended on it. To read it, to just digest it, and just, because now, now, it is just so, so valuable to us. Because everything we see in our day and in our time is just doing, seem like everything it can to undermine this, this Bible. It is just like, it, it is just like, you know, you're just belittled. You're just ridiculed or looked down on. You know, if you um, even stand for anything, you know, it's just, it's, it's amazing to me. But the depths of what is in this truly is God's perfect will. Now, it, God's will can be known. I believe that for each and every one, for everybody, for every Christian, God's will can be known. And I believe it is not something, it's just as Moses told him, the word is nigh thee even in thy heart. I believe that with, with prayer, knowing God's word, God's will is made known to us. And it's just something, and it's just like, I keep saying safety net, but it's the truth. In other words, not God's not going to tell you, or or you. If you have something that seems a little strange that don't line up with this, throw that thought in the trash. <laughs> because God is always going to give you something that lines up with Scripture. It's always going to be compatible with Scripture. So that is our safety net. You know, that's why, I mean, face it, we're just, we're just flesh and blood. We're just, we're just creatures. We're creatures of habit sometimes. And our mind can be made to wonder. And, you know, if, if as the old boys say, you get out on a limb before somebody cuts it off, realize what it is, you know. But God's will, and he, he will not do us wrong. He will not do us wrong. But God has called us, and he will give us his will. Now, we want to know the will of God. We want to know it. And the will of God is made manifest literally in his word. It is. Now, it is really the spirit-filled soul obeys the spirit, and the spirit's voice is the voice of scripture. And that is true. That is true. God's word, the Holy Ghost, that's why he says the writers of the Old Testament was moved on by the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. They, they, they took, they ministered, they was informed, and we have this promise 
that we can know, we can know the will of God. And as Moses told them, it's nigh thee. You don't have to have somebody to go to the stars, cross the ocean, go to heaven. Literally, we've got it. We've got what we need. And we can have this. We can establish ourselves. And we can have the truth that's literally going to save us. And everything we need can be found, I believe, in this scripture. And there's so, we've had people, I'm going to people that gives you like just all kind of crazy things that's not found in scripture. The Bible is not written to a specific time period. It's written to humanity. That's why it doesn't matter what time it is. It was written for humanity. And that's why it's always valuable. It's always applicable to humanity and to the people. So I'm, I'm truly thankful for it. I appreciate the word, its instruction. And as Paul told Timothy, I will leave us with this. We have been given a trust. And he said to guard that trust. Because what we have been allotted with, it is so valuable. The knowledge that we have received, it is so valuable. Hallelujah. It is valuable. I want to ask you to stand. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for what it means. God of heaven, we thank you for everything that you did, Lord God. Thank you for Calvary. Thank you for the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Oh, God, I thank you for putting the Holy Ghost in each and every one of us. I ask you right now, God, to seal this word, Lord God. Touch us. Open our minds, Lord God, that we may receive and retain, Lord God. Touch us this day, Lord God, I pray. Seal this, Lord God. In the holy name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. You may shake hands. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.